When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt. And we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome back to episode 145 of the Brothers Brandt podcast. 144, 143, 142 was baseball focused. Top stadiums in the country. We named them all. We went through them all. Check them out. Great episodes. But 145, Rick. We turn the page and we start talking about golf. The PGA Tour live merger and the 2023 US Open preview that starts on Thursday. This is going to be an action-packed uh, drama um, recording we got here. Rob, hot takes coming in. And yeah, everybody loves golf. We love golf. Our listeners love golf. Our wives love golf. So let's get into it. This episode, we're first going to talk about the merger. And Rob, the golf world was shaken to its core on June 6th when PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan and Yasir Al-Ruman, the trusted confidant of Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Muhammad bin Salman, an overseer of his country's massive public investment fund, announced a merger between the two entities. Everybody, players included, were shocked and the fallout is just continuing day in and day out. We finally get back out onto the course this weekend with the U S open, and we're going to get into our picks and the Los Angeles country club. But first Rob, tell us like, where were you and how did you find out the news? Rick, I was riding the Peloton and I got pinged. By ESPN, Bleacher Report, I think CBS. I think there was like five or six pings on my phone. And I thought something happened at daycare with Jamie. I go, what, what's going on here? What's happening? Is Shelby texting me? Am I getting a text from daycare? What's happening? And I look and I read, live, live merges with PGA Tour. <laughs> where, Unbelievable. Where Everybody. I had to stop my Peloton ride and read the articles. Everybody was trying to get a hold of everybody that likes golf. And like my mother-in-law was texting me articles. What's going on? What's happening? Is the world ending? Everybody thought I knew the answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like people came to us as if we were 
like with Jay and Yasir, like making the decision. And yeah, with him, with him on June 4th. Yeah, we ironed out the details. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's been basically a week since this news is broken and nobody still has any details about what's going on. It sounds as though the PGA Tour really kind of was, uh, they knew that their their fate and it was imminent that just legally, they were going to be facing millions and millions of dollars. It was estimated that they had already spent $15 million on legal fees. And if they were to proceed for years down the road, as this looked like it was heading, they would be in the hundreds of millions of dollars spent with lawyers. And they just can't operate that way, Rob. They're a non-for-profit they go around on a weekly basis, providing excitement to 42 cities throughout America. And they were just faced with this decision to partner with a, a basically a trillion heir who they've made a splash in the golf world. There's no doubt about it. They pulled away some of the top, top golfers in the world. They paid them handsomely. And... And I think it's really boils down to the players, the players that left gave live and the Saudis, this foundation to stand on and, and put the PGA tour in a, in a situation where they either had to come together now, or it was going to be a troubling next three, four, five, six years. Yeah. Those legal fees start to stack up. That, that was uh, like wild when I was hearing about the millions of dollars that were spent on that. And then you're going up against trillionaire and it's just, as our friend of the pod, Seth Greenberg, says, you can't hide money. Uh, <laughs> um, let's go back, Rick. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Live and how it started? Um, you know, if, if you don't mind, just give a little brief synopsis there. Catch sure, I'd up. be happy to. So um, it really dates back to uh, April of 2016. And most of us, we're not familiar with the Middle East and Western Asia. I'm sure we've heard of Iraq and some other countries over there and all the oil and money that exists out there. But something that was created back in April of 2016 was what is called the Saudi Vision 2030. And this is a strategic framework created by their government to reduce the country's dependence on oil, diversify its economy, and develop public service sectors such as health, education, infrastructure, recreation, and tourism. And what they did, Rob, was they created this roadmap, if you will, for all the things that they need to invest in and pour billions of dollars in over a 14-year period so that by 2030, their country is really just a, you know, regular country because right now it's not, and it hasn't been for a long, long time. And so one of those sectors was recreation, sports and entertainment. And as we've witnessed across the sports landscape for probably a good two years now, players are being bought by the Saudi government, uh, specifically in soccer. And Oh yeah. Ronaldo got paid like, almost a billion dollars to go play there. There's another player that's going over there. Uh, Messi turned it down to go to Miami recently. Yeah. And they're starting to invest and sponsor more uh, sports around the world. 
they've basically created federations within their company for every sport you could think of cricket, badminton, bowling, tennis. They're trying to just get their hands in on everything so that years from now, their country is and looks like a lot of countries were used to here in America. And so anyway, golf was one of those little infrastructure sectors that they wanted to build out. And they, they've done that. And they first got involved by having a, a tournament or two take place in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East and Tiger yeah. and Rory would go over. But uh, they said, let's create a league. So and I don't have to go into the backgrounds of how all the details work, but essentially this funding for this vision, it's it's the Saudi Arabia's government and they have this public investment fund. It's estimated to be uh, over a trillion dollars. So to spend one or two billion dollars on the golf part of it is really just still such a small fraction of of funding that they have behind this effort. And they're going to plow and just yeah. go forward. Regardless and and this, Saudi, this Saudi fund, if I'm not mistaken, is like oil. Like you got to think about how the world operates around oil. That's it. Yeah. Like they've got hundreds you of got years. a car, oil. You, exactly. Anything you buy got produced at a factory that uses oil. <laughs> they just happen to be located in a part of the, our planet Earth that has uh, provided them with unlimited resources. So uh, for hundreds of years now, they will be a player. There's no doubt about it. And at this point, live merged with the PGA Tour, and it and it came about, I think, so abruptly, so 180, that that's what surprised everybody. The uh, privacy in which the conversations were had, so few people were in the know. It was very suspicious, and I think that's what's left a lot of people really scratching their heads. Yeah, yeah, and... You know, I just want to go back a little bit to the live tour because I think we talked about it possibly on another podcast, but there were a lot of things, Rick, that I really thought were good ideas from live. I thought they were interesting ideas. I thought it was like cool to see how them play out. Like, you know, basically turning golf into happy Gilmore, which is one of my favorite movies, you know, with a little bit of music and, and all that good stuff. Um, you know, they were playing 40, uh, 54 holes instead of 72. Um, from the player side, it sounded like it was pretty good. You know, they were getting money for um, Airbnbs or, or getting paid for that. And the caddies are getting paid and the no cuts. Um, so they were really just like basically just trying all these different things that the PGA Tour was just set in stone that they were never going to change. So I thought that competition was a good thing and it kind of leveled leveled things up a little bit because when the money started flowing in, all of a sudden the PGA started to increase their purses too, to 20. Yeah, you, it, Rob, that's a, those are really good points you're making. And think about this, Rob. We're so accustomed to the traditional sports, soccer, basketball, football, hockey. Yeah. And those are what they are. But Liv did something that really nobody's kind of done. And it's basically like, all right, let's just start over. If we were to start a sport now and not think about the history of the sport, we'll just make it entertaining for viewers now and fun for the participants. What would we do? So let's, let's do it. 
And you're right. They threw a bunch of stuff at the wall and some of it was sticking well. They had this uh, team component that was taking place as well as the individual um, competition that we're used to. I thought to. that was kind of cool. Like, I mean, like put live aside, like call it something else. Call it, call it another thing. I thought that was a cool idea. Like the team aspect of it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, exactly. And there's trades and off seasons. And um, so, yeah, a lot of cool stuff uh, and unique ideas were definitely there. And I don't think anybody's discounting that. It's just this shift now from what we've known golf to be for a hundred plus years and now it's it's like colliding. Worlds are colliding in the golf are colliding. <laughs> galaxy. Well, Seinfeld, Seinfeld reference there, but <laughs> yeah, I mean we can't do a podcast episode without dropping well, a little. You, you were talking details in the earlier, and I was like, "You're not in the mood for details. You get in the mood for details." <laughs> so, Rob, that's where we stand. These two entities have now come together. There's little clarity on what the partnership's going to look like, how perhaps live players who left the PGA Tour are going to now maybe perhaps come back and yeah. play in PGA Tour events going forward. I heard this really funny uh, idea. And, well, there's a couple things out here because you've got guys like Rory and Scheffler and Hideki Matsuyama who were reportedly offered hundreds of millions of dollars and they said no to it, but the Cam Smiths and the By- uh, Bryson DeChambeau's, they all, Brooks Kepkas of the world, they jumped ship for the cash. And so how do you kind of make it even with those people that kind of stayed true to the to the tour? And so some people were saying, ah, listen, there's going to be fees and penalties and fines to get back. And that money will go to the people that stayed. And maybe that's kind of fine, whatever. But uh, it was uh, this funny idea I heard was think about how you qualify now to get onto the PGA tour. You basically have to play college golf. And then there's like the corn Ferry tour, which yeah. is what's called Q school. And so like, imagine guys like Dustin Johnson, masters winners, Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia, like having to play the corn Ferry tour for like a year <laughs> and just like, slum it up or whatever to try to get back onto the PGA tour yeah. and get their Ugh. card. I don't well, know. It's very fitting. Happen. It's very fitting that it's happening during the U S open because the U S open is the open and uh, you know, anyone can apply for this uh, and start playing and they just have to compete and do very well in the localized tournaments and then the regional tournaments and then, you know, qualify for the USGA. So it's kind of funny that uh, they'd be going back uh, in um, in time and competing with people because there's going to be some people on the tour that literally uh, or some people in the event this weekend that have been fighting and scratching and clawing and slumming for it. And what perfect timing. I mean, live golfers and PGA golfers are allowed to play in the majors. So for the news to break on June 6th leading up to the US Open. Wow. Very cool. And maybe that's a perfect transition into this year's 2023 U.S. Open at the Los Angeles Country Club, Rob. It's the 123rd playing of the U.S. Open. Think about it. This championship was taking place back in the 1800s. And here we are in Los Angeles, Hollywood, right down just in the most iconic one of the cities in the world that people like just think of New York, Los Angeles. And 
Uh, golf, you know, it gets, gets played in Los Angeles, but at Riviera, Tiger Woods' tournament, the Genesis, but not the Los Angeles Country Club. And I don't know if you've been following any of this on the golf channel, but they have been highlighting this course and the renovations, and it's just yeah. bonkers what this this layout is going to offer us as viewers and the excellence that these players are going to have to play with this week if they want to win the U.S. Open, one of the four majors. This is going to be one of the toughest courses ever. Yeah, um, yeah it is. It's going to be the longest course in the history of the tournament. 7,423 yards. So I'm, let's just I'm start lo- with that. I'm looking at par threes, Rick. And when I, you know, look, I, I don't mean to brag, but <laughs> you're talking you're to a good. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking to like a 28 handicap over here, man. No big deal. No big no deal. Big deal. <laughs> um, when I go to a par three and I see that it's like 190, 210, I'm like, ah, shit, what do I got to use here? <laughs> I'm like, do I use the hybrid? Do I use the iron full swing? Do I half swing and hybrid? What do I do? What do I do? And on this course, hole number seven is a par three, 284 yards. <laughs> and then hole number 11 is a par three, 290 yards. Let's talk about that right there, Rob. Wild. This will be the longest par three hole in the history of the U.S. Open, 123 years of this tournament, and every year there's three to four par threes on a golf tournament. So do the math there, and you're probably somewhere up in like six, seven, eight hundred par threes ever played in the U.S. Open. And this week we're going to see the longest one ever, 290-yard par three. Some players are talking about using a driver and a half swing in it. And that's just going to be crazy to see. And on the what flip you, what side, would you use for me? I'm doing driver full swing, and that's a layup. Like if I hit my driver the best and it goes the farthest, I'm probably like with a good roll at 250. So then I'm like a pitching wedge out. All right, but these guys, are the <laughs> and then you got a one putt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this year, Rob, in addition to the longest par three ever. There might end up being the shortest par three ever. Yeah. They have a par three on this course that if they move the tee box up, which it's reported they might do one out of the four days, and if they move the pin location from the back of the green to the front of the green, making the tee box and the pin the yeah. hole, the closest it possibly could be, it will play a mere 78 yards, which is hilarious for professional golfers to be playing a 78-yard hole. <laughs> That's absurd. I didn't know that they were going to do that. <laughs> yeah, so get ready for this. It's going to be a really fun tournament to watch. And, this year, and- it will mark the largest purse in the history of the U.S. Open $20 million are at stake. $3 million will go to the winner. And a fun fact about the U.S. Open is they award and pay out all participants. A lot of tournaments, it's you've got to make the cut. And if you don't make the cut, you don't get paid. But the U.S. Open, they feel as though it is hard enough to just get to the U.S. Open. 
that at that point, even if you come in dead last, 156. What, what are they going to get? 25 over. I think it's like 10 grand. Thank you. How about it? But listen, that's pretty good for all the people that entered into this. And this is one thing that makes the U.S. Open so cool. This is our country's championship. And just like there's the Open that takes place in St. Andrews and Europe, that's the Europeans' uh, championship, if you will. This, this This is the United States Open, and it truly is open, Rob. Anybody, you, me, Morgan, and Shelby, if we wanted to, we could enter in and try to contest and one day qualify for the U.S. Open. There was <laughs> there was over 10,000 entries this year. So uh, thousands and thousands of people from all over. Yeah. They, in local, uh, regional qualifying, participated over a course of a couple weeks, and then last week... I have, I have a buddy of mine who I was trying to get him to get into the tournament. There was one, a qualifying round, like, at a country club, like, 10 minutes away from my house here in South Jersey. June 5th, Rob. Monday, June 5th, yeah. was the longest day in golf. It's known as the longest day because it's the final day to qualify for the U.S. Open. Golfers will play back-to-back rounds, and who's ever left standing in the evening as the sun is set it and it's pretty much pitch black that is your representative in those different regions so you've got people that have never been in majors before teeing it up this week it's gonna be great man it's and you know with michael block earlier in the year uh you know a couple weeks ago uh playing at the pga championship uh you know there's gonna be multiple michael blocks uh being talked about with jim nance and emmelman this weekend um, that would be very exciting if yeah. we had another Michael Block story. Yeah. I mean, that is just so well, far fetched that it even I, happened once. Hold on, hold on. Well, I also think if our listeners watched Full Swing and they saw the episode with Joel Damon, I think Joel Damon has won the hearts of Americans and American golfers. Um, you know, he just came across as the ultimate, ultimate, like dad, like in the, in the full swing episode, he's got like a little baby and like, he was super chill. Oh, we loved um, watching he, full he, swing he, with he Joel testicular ca- cancer. Um, everybody loves him, but it was crazy because he had to qualify for the U S open because he wasn't, I, I forget exactly what Mark, but anyway, he had to qualify and go through the rigmarole, rigmarole, however you say it. Uh, the gauntlet that you just eloquently laid out and I'm butchering and they showed him in full swing talking about how, yeah, you know, uh, Saturday I wasn't playing too hot. So I decided to just have a couple white claws after my first 18 and then uh, shot the best round of my life for the back to back and uh, qualified for the USG US open uh, last year in Brookline. And he went on to finish top five. It's true. And he was a big part of the Brookline story last year come the weekend. And let's just talk about that there. Let's let's go back and relive the country club in Massachusetts and Matthew Fitzpatrick winning his first major where as an amateur, he won a championship 13 years prior. How about last year's U.S. Open? That was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. That storyline was awesome. You couldn't script a better one. It's true. I don't think it could be better. And Will Zalatoris and him coming down to the last hole 
that unbelievable bunker shot on the left side of the fairway just to tap it in. I mean, truly was uh, just one of the most impressive rounds and weekends of golf from Matthew Fitzpatrick, who seems to be just one of those young stars like a Colin Morikawa, uh, just that he's going to be around for 10 years, 15 years winning golf yeah. tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he might be favored to win this weekend. I don't know. But well, he's going to be the defending champion. So defending champion. the last person to defend their championship at the U.S. Open was none other than Brooks Kepka. And he did it back in 2017 and 2018 when he was in just that run of major championships, two from the U.S. Open, two from the PGA Championship. And just last month in Rochester, New York, hoisted his third PGA Championship, winning as a live golfer, now looking to obtain his sixth major and his third U.S. Open. That'd be a heck of a trophy case. I remember seeing in the full swing documentary, he's got the two U S opens and the two PGA championship trophies on display at his home in South Florida. And Rob, I wouldn't be surprised if he added a third this weekend. He's he's my favorite to win it. I'm telling you right now, Brooks Kepka is my favorite to win it. Um, If I had to pick somebody look at the masters, he had it. He dominated from day one, and then Rob. and then Rom Rom beat him in the back nine, the back nine of Augusta National. If it wasn't for the back nine, uh, Brooks Kepka might have won the Masters. You know, and Brooks Brooks has done well in Augusta every year that he's been healthy. So I mean, it's not far fetched to see Brooks one day win the career Grand Slam. He yeah. keeps racking up the U.S. Open and PGA Championships. But, uh, yeah, I think he's a great pick. And, Rob, you want to talk about a back-to-back champion in Brooks Kepka winning last month and this month? That's your pick, it sounds like. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what you're hearing, yeah. I'm going to pick Brooks Kepka to win it. Um, You know, because also you go to Rochester, okay? So so Augusta National in April, spectacular conditions, perfectly manicured course um you know but then you go to rochester new york (laughs) where it like snowed four weeks prior to the tournament or whatever it might have been six weeks prior to the tournament the the conditions were brutal um the uh the 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 rough was as super rough you know losing balls in there and everything like that and that's something about the u.s open this weekend they've been highlighting the fact that the grass is literally like this thick in the rough, like you drop a ball in and it disappears. Uh, so you're going to have to learn how you're going to have to be really good hitting out of that rough. And I think that Brooks Kepka did it a couple weeks ago in PG at the PGA championship in Rochester. And I think that he's going to do very well. He, he, I, he's my favorite to win it. Top five finish. No doubt. I love the pick, Rob, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brooks Kepka wins another major. You've got guys like John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, two recent U.S. Open champions. They've played well. Those are favorites also. I mean, Rory and Jordan Spieth, some PGA Tour guys. Scotty Scheffler, exactly. All these big names here, Rob. 
I don't know how much bigger of a story this would be, but I'm going to give you my pick to win this year's U.S. Open in Los Angeles and complete the career Grand Slam. He has finished runner-up at the U.S. Open six times. Six times he's finished in second place in the U.S. Open. He's won the British Open. He's won the Masters. He's won the PGA Championship multiple times. But, Rob, you can book it now. At 50 years old, he won the PGA Championship. And at 53 years old, I'm taking Phil Mickelson, Mr. Liv, the week of the merger, to hoist the championship in Los Angeles this week. That's my pick, Phil Mickelson. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. You didn't see that one coming, did you? No, I didn't. That's crazy, man. Look at what he's been doing in these majors. He's finishing just in the top five every single time. He's playing with so much, like, determination. He's in the greatest health of his life. Look at how slim he looks. I wish I could get the core he's got going right now. I think he's going to get it done. I think he's on that new drug that everybody's been talking about. And they're in Los Angeles. So it's perfect, Rob. It's a perfect story. <laughs> to talk about with the sponsorships. I get it. I get it. Plus, our man, Tim Mickelson, friend of the pod. He's on his bag this week. His brother caddying for him. Let's so, go, baby. There we have it, folks. Who's your? Give me your honorable mention. If Phil doesn't win, who's your second? And you can't pick Brooks and I can't pick Phil. Yeah, you know, guys like Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson would have been good picks, but I think the less that they've been playing golf, the less that they're they're as sharp as they used to be. And I just don't see either of those guys really fighting through and and weathering the conditions like you talked about. Uh, I've loved what I've seen out of Shane Lowry lately on the PGA Tour. He's been shout he's out been shout really, out to Shane O. Shane O. Right. He's been fighting so. I mean, that'd be cool. Uh, he's got already an Open Championship back in 2019. If he could hoist a U.S. Open Championship, that'd be pretty cool, too. Um, Rob, there's guys like Tony Finau out there. Um, there's just so many other guys, but I don't think Rory's going to get it done. Jordan's battling the wrist injury. I really like my pick and Phil. I got nobody else. It's Phil or nobody. Wow. Ride or die on Phil. Morgan, you got that? He's putting the house on it. The house. The house. The house. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna give you uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take two because you didn't you didn't take one. So I'm gonna take two and I'm gonna go my boy Rose. Victor Hovland. Victor, Victor Hovland yes. going back to back. Come on, give it to me. The kid is hot. He He's just won at the memorial. He's, He's feeling it. He's finished like top 10, like every single tournament. Um, and then Scotty Scheffler, world number one. Can't can't count him out. He's finished top five so many times this year. Hey, those are the betting favorites, man. You'd have to put a lot of money down on those two to, to really win something this week. So, All right, give me the dark horse then. Give me a dark horse. Just give me – throw something at me. I mean, you got the defending champion. Matthew Fitzpatrick is, I mean, I don't know if that's a dark horse or not, but I like Fitzy. He's got a lot of confidence, bravado going into this. But no, I'm taking Phil, Rob. This guy, he's like in another world right now, right? He went out there last week, played a bunch of practice rounds. He went back home to San Diego. He's been kicking it there all week. He just got back to LA. 
and I think he's coming in hot. Okay. Just like the merger. Phil is currently ranked 83rd in the world, so that would be uh that would be a dark horse right there. So technically <laughs> ride that horse into the sunset, my friend. All right, I'm going to go for a fun one right here. Uh this is a fun one and this is Harold Varner the 3rd uh to win the US Open. HV3, that'd be incredible. This is actually the first year ever in the history of the USGA that they have an African American president. HV3, the only African American in the field. That would be a cool storyline as the game of golf continues to try to diversify. That would be really cool, Rob. Love For that. all you listeners out there, I'm Rick Brandt. And I'm Rob Brandt, and we're the brothers Brandt. Thanks for listening.